Hey everyone, welcome to Brain Health with Dr. Nissen. In this show, we explore the universe's great unknown, the human brain. In my reflections and interviews with guests, we'll go to the forefront of psychiatry, neuroscience, nutrition, and medicine to see how we can enhance our mental health, sharpen our cognition, and reach better performance. This is Brain Health, and I'm Dr. Nissen. Let's dive right in. So Jim Quick, it is great to have you here on the show. I, I wanted to speak with you because I've spoken with a lot of our learners, a lot of our listeners who have been wanting to know how can they become limitless. They want to know how can they have better memory, how can they be a faster reader, have better comprehension, and, and have sort of endless knowledge. Um, and, and personally, I know that I struggle with you know remembering people's names. I'll feel like I read something and for, for an hour, and then and then I. I kind of was spacing out, you know, during it. And I think this is a common struggle. So I wanted to have you on the show to, to talk about your new book, Limitless, which is covering all of these topics that so many people struggle with and, and that so many people are interested in. So without further ado, Jim Quick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation and thank you for everyone who's taking time to, to listen. And I recommend everyone uh, take some notes because we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot. Exactly. So uh, before jumping into your story, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself uh, to the audience for those who haven't heard of you yet. Absolutely. Um, I've been called a brain coach, uh, which is interesting. I've never heard of a brain coach before. This is my uh, 28th year of teaching. Uh, what I do is I, like a personal trainer, help somebody get their muscles strong and fit and flexible and pliable and energized. I want that to happen for people's mental muscles. I want your focus, your memory, your reading ability, your thinking capacity, your, you know, your concentration to be stronger, to be faster, to be more, more agile, if you will. And so um, I like to help people become more mentally intelligent, certainly helping them to learn facts, figures, formulas faster is part of that. Um, that, that wheelhouse, but also not only just mental intelligence, but also mental fitness. I feel like today we are, we live, we're living in the millennium of the mind and really everyone who's, you know, listening and we're watching this conversation, they, um, you know, they're compensated for, it's not their root strength, it's their brain strength. It's not their muscle power, but really is their mind power. And, you know, right now people are so distracted. Um, they, they're easily forgetful. They uh, are overloaded and overwhelmed with too many journals and too much to keep up with and too little time. So my goal for everybody is to help them to upgrade the most important technology, which is their mind. People upgrade their phones and their apps more than they take care of their, their most important tool that they have, which is their brain. And um, so I, the people call Limitless, the, uh, the subtitles Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. But people are calling this like an owner's manual, practical owner's manual for your brain. And, um, and so that's what I do. It's my mission. Um, and uh, you know, my goal is to build better, brighter brains. Awesome. Well, you've definitely been busy between your new book, Limitless, and with all the work that you've been doing with clients like Google, Virgin, Nike, Zappos, Harvard, GE, Fox Studios, it just goes on and on. Um, and with your, you know, your YouTube videos and your podcast, the Quick Brain podcast as well. So uh, you're certainly the person for, for this uh, interview and the person for the job. Um, so it is, it's great to chat with you. And to, to begin this, I wanted to start with talking about 
how you start the book, which is uh, talking about your your own experience as a learner, as a child, and you know what you've learned along the way to bring you to this point. Sure, sure. Um, when I speak at those events uh, or those organizations that you mentioned, sometimes if there's time, I'll do a, a demonstration of sorts. Well. Maybe I'll have 50 people in an audience or 60 or 70 people stand up and introduce themselves to everybody else and I'll uh, recall their names or they'll give me 50 numbers or 50 words or 100 words and I'll recite them in and out of order. Um, and I always tell people afterwards, I don't do this to impress you, honestly. I do this to express to you what's possible because the truth is every single person listening can do that and even a lot more. We just weren't taught. And I feel like that we were taught almost a lie that somehow our intelligence, our potential, our learning ability, our memory is somehow fixed like our shoe size. And you know, we've discovered more, as you know, more about the, the human brain probably in the last 15 years than the previous thousand years combined. And uh, you know, my, it's been my findings after teaching this for three decades is that we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities. Mm -hmm. And simply because we weren't taught, school is a, an incredible institution. They teach you what to learn and what to focus on and what to think and what to study and what to remember. But there aren't a lot of classes on how to learn and how to focus and how to study and how to, how to remember those things. And right. so I wrote this book as a book of methodologies to help people to, uh, to level up their learning so they can level up their life so that they can get better results and save the thing that life is made of, which is our time and our attention. And um, so that, that's really our mission because, and I know this is possible for everybody because after you know quicklearning.com, we have students in over 195 countries. Um, you know, we publish these online speed reading, memory focused student success programs, and we have a lot of data. And, and so we know really what's, what's possible. And I know it's possible from personal, you know, um, my personal origin story, if you will, is I grew up with learning difficulties. I've had a series of traumatic brain injuries that led to processing issues, very poor focus, very poor memory. It took me an extra few years to learn how to just to read. Um, when I was nine years old, I remember I was slowing a class down because I wasn't getting the lesson. It was this imposter syndrome. I was always pretend to understand, but I didn't really understand. Mm -hmm. And I was being bullied a little and teased by my, my classmates for, for, for that. And I remember a teacher came almost to my defense. I think it was good intention, but she was, you know, she said, that's the boy with the broken brain. As, as if giving me an excuse saying, hey, leave this you know, kid alone. But all I remembered was, wow, I have a broken brain. And that's, uh, that became my internal conversation. And uh, every time I did badly on a test, I would always say to myself, oh, because I have a broken brain. And, uh, and that became my self-talk. And that's why I spent a lot of time in the book on mindset. I feel like somebody be, could learn the methods for studying technical material or for reading faster or remembering people's names, but their mindset is, I'm not smart enough or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm not, you know, I have a horrible memory, then, then it'll slow us down in that way. And so I, I made it my life's mission. I mean, really no brain left behind. Awesome. Well, uh, certainly in the book, you give a lot of really good evidence to show that just like you're saying, our brains are not like a shoe size where it's fixed um, and, and there's nothing that we can do about it. And I think that it's really an important message that you're saying of that, you know, we all uh, can be limitless. We just have to focus on getting our mindset in the right place first. Um, so, so once people arrive at that right mindset of confidence and, and being ready to learn, uh, then they, they move into, in your book, the next part on motivation. 
Can you yeah. say a few words about the importance of motivation and getting ourselves in this limitless learning mindset? Absolutely. So the premise of the book is that we all could be these limitless learners, and regardless of people's age or their background, their you know career, education level, financial situation, gender, history, IQ. And, uh, and that's really the case for the book. And Limitless is not about being perfect. So let me state that up front. It's, it's about progressing and advancing beyond what you believe is, is currently possible for yourself. And in it, I introduce a framework I call the Limitless Model, three M's that really you need to go through a process of unlimiting in order to be able to reach our fullest potential. Because I believe the limitless resource we have on planet Earth is human potential. You know, it's not the sky's the limit, it's really our mind is the limit. There's no limit to our creativity, there's no limit to our imagination, there's no limit to our ability to come together to solve problems, and there's no limit to human determination. And so these three M's come in the form of mindset, motivation, and methods. Because initially this book was all about methodology. Mm -hmm. um, but then I asked myself, will 100% of the people get results if they read this book? And I said, no, because if you don't address mindset, what people believe is possible, what they believe they're capable of, what they believe they deserve, or if we don't address motivation, some people can believe everything is possible and they can learn the methods, but they're not motivated to use them, then they're still stuck in that box. So if you feel like you're being held back in some kind of box in your academics, in your career, in some area of your life, these three forces keep you there, but these are the same three forces that liberate you. So when we're talking about motivation, motivation for some people is hyping themselves up and using willpower and just like trying to get excited in the moment. And um, some of your listeners might be familiar with the film Limitless with mm -hmm. Bradley Cooper and Robert De Niro. Right. Bradley Cooper goes from zero to hero. He takes a pill and all of a sudden he has this incredible focus. He has this eidetic memory. He learns languages and he writes his book really fast. And, and he has this inc incredible concentration and, uh, and he has a spike of motivation also right. where he never had before. But then after 24 hours, the pill wears off and he's back down to zero again. And that's a little bit like how people get motivated. They get, it's like a warm bath. It's warm, but then they got to steam it up, you know, it cools mm -hmm. down. That's tough. So in the book, I, I give offer people a formula for sustainable motivation. So, and this is really the antidote to procrastination, where mindset, getting your mindset right will help you with self-sabotage. Whereas you don't maybe you're taking a step forward and you know, and then two steps back because you don't feel like you deserve it or capable of it or something. Uh, where we overcome procrastination, the formula for sustainable motivation, I say is P times E times S3. P times E times S3. And um, so let's do this thought experiment. <laughs> let's say we wanna build the ultimate motivated human being to do whatever, to work out, to study every day, and they just can't get it. What has to be there? The first thing I would say is P, which is, stands for purpose. And when I talk about purpose, I don't mean like purpose, although I do address it in, in that in the book and the difference between passion and purpose, but I mean really having a, a reason to do it. Some people do not stay motivated to study or work out or to do the things they need to do with enthusiasm because they, um, they don't connect with the feeling of the rewards that come from it or maybe even the pain that comes from not following through. They might know intellectually why they should study or intellectually why they should work out. That's simple examples, but they don't feel it. And so I think it's important that it goes from your head to your heart to your hands. 
Did you get set goals or academic goals or career goals in your head? But if you're not acting with your hands, you're procrastinating, checking with the second age, which is your heart. Because I find that my experience is, you know, people are not so much logical as they are biological. You think about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. We're like this chemical soup of emotions that fuel the car and, you know, give us energy. And so find that purpose and allow yourself to feel the rewards or the consequences of not following through. Because if you can't feel it, maybe you shouldn't be doing that thing. It's not lighting you up in some way. Because I feel like a lot of people complain about being burnt out, not because they're doing too much, but maybe they're doing too little of the things that are important. And I would always say the most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important thing. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing, the most important things. So that's perfect. Exactly. Now the, now my mind went, okay, with this thought experiment, okay, if somebody just has enough purpose and they feel it, will they always follow through in studying? Will they always follow through with their career? Will they always follow through with working out? Um, and I was like, no, they can be missing the E. And the E and the equation stands for energy. Energy, meaning that if somebody wanted, wants to be motivated to work out every day um, or exercise or move, because we know as your body moves, your brain grooves, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, which is, which is almost like fertilizer for your, for your brain. And, um, and we live in a very sedentary lifestyle. Sometimes we're behind screens all day, and then the brain is made for, for, to be able to actually control our movements. And it's for all these reasons, and yet we don't, um, we could find purpose in it, but maybe maybe you haven't slept in a, in a few nights. Maybe you've had a, a, you know, a number of um, you know, long nights at work. You know, you're, you're at the hospital, you're at the work, you're, 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 you had a, a newborn and maybe you haven't slept in a few nights, then you might not be motivated to work out because you lack the energy. Or maybe you want to be motivated to study, but you ate you know, an unintelligent meal and you're in a food coma and you <laughs> don't have energy to, to study. You know? And, and, and you end up cramming or something else like that. So energy. And so in the book, we talk about different foods that can help generate energy, how to optimize your sleep, manage your stress, and everything that involves you know, getting rid of mental fatigue. And then finally, going back to this thought experiment, if you have purpose and energy, let's say you have limitless purpose and limitless energy, will you always follow through and be motivated? And I was like, nah, you could be missing one more exception. You could be missing S3, three S's, small, simple steps. Sometimes we don't follow through on the things that we know we should do because the things are too big or they're, they're not well-defined or they're too confusing and, or intimidating and a confused mind doesn't do anything. So small, simple step, maybe working out 45 minutes a day is too intimidating for somebody who's never done that. Mm -hmm. Small, simple step is putting on your running shoes. Maybe you know, sitting down to read a book for 45 minutes a day to get through a book a week. It takes about 45 minutes of reading for the average reader to read a book a week for 52 books a year, but maybe they haven't done that before. So maybe a small, simple step is, is opening up the book or reading one line in the book. And how you find your small, simple steps, the things that you want to be motivated for, ask yourself this question. What is the tiniest action I could take that will give me progress towards this goal where I can't fail? What is the tiniest action I could take to give me progress towards this goal? You know, so tiny that I can't fail. And you could build some positive momentum so it's like, if you don't floss your teeth, you know, we know that's good for, you know, oral hygiene is, is good for your overall wellness. Um, try flossing one tooth, because you're not going to stop at one tooth. So breaking things down, inch by inch, it's a cinch, yard by yard, it, it, it becomes too hard for a lot of people. 
Awesome. I love those. You're really, you're taking the motivation, but you're really making it very actionable, especially with those small, simple steps. Um, so then this next part is like you said, how the book began and probably what most people are expecting is talking about the methods and how to, you know, really become limitless in memory in reading um, and, and remembering names. Uh, so I remember I saw a video of you, you had a big crowd. And, and like you were saying before, uh, you had people say different digits and there was like 50 digits that came out. And I did not believe that you were going to be able to do it, but you were able to say just by memory, each of the 50 digits in a row from front to back. And then you did them backwards okay. uh, afterwards, which, which blew me away. So just starting maybe with that method or, or something like that, how do you just remember a ridiculous number of you know, of digits or, or something like that. Just a lot of, yeah, I mean, I believe that as everyone who's listening, I believe that two of the most costly words sometimes in school and our careers in life maybe are I forgot, mm. you know? I mean, how many people listening feel absent-minded, like senior moments are coming way too early? Right. You, you can't remember, you know, where you put your car keys or if not your car keys, something larger like your car, mm. or you read a page in a book and you forgot what you just read. Uh, you know, or you, you you get somebody's name and then they tell you it and you just forget it like seconds later, like what happened? You know, you know you're saying that you have this limitless brain. It's the most advanced technology on the planet. And you, how do you reconcile the fact that you can't remember simple things like that? And so I believe there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's a trained memory and an untrained memory. And mm. the largest chapter in the entire book is actually the chapter on memory improvement. And I wrote the, uh, the chapter in, in Greece, actually. Um, I found out that the goddess of memory, she is the mother of the nine muses of science, literature, and art. So the, the, the children, their mother is memory. And uh, Socrates says learning is remembering. And I think it should have been you know the fourth R in school, reading, writing, arithmetic. Obviously, spelling wasn't one of them. But the fourth one should have been remembering or retention or recall. And, uh, and so how do you build your memory and have it a trained memory? Well, I believe your memory are kind of like muscles. It's, it's uh, a lot of things I, I talk about in the book, these four digital supervillains that take away from our effectiveness that are driven by technology, digital deluge, overload and overwhelm that creates a higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness or digital distraction, every ring, ping, ding, social media alert, app notification is just like you know, distracting us and those muscles are stronger and we're flexing them all the time and we can't pay attention when we read or listen. Um, and, you know, digital deduction where we can't even make good decisions. We can really look at a menu. We can't even remember. We don't even know what we want because we, we haven't exercised our decision muscles. And, uh, you know, technology sometimes will spoon feed us what to think through algorithms and we don't have to become critical thinkers or use, you know, rational analytical abilities. And so those are all challenges that are, um, you know, and I love technology. It, it, it supercharges our life and makes our life convenient. Mm -hmm. But the last one is digital dementia. And it's a new term in healthcare where we're depending on technology to be outsourcing our memories, like external memory storage. Like it keeps our calendars, our to-dos, phone numbers. Like, you know, there once was a time when everyone remember everyone's phone number, but now like how many phone numbers do you remember? Like three. And that's a lot for us. <laughs> Um, and it can be a number you, you text or call every day, but you, if you don't have your phone or it's, your battery's dead or something, not that you want to memorize 100 phone numbers or 200 phone numbers, like going back to numbers. I mean, I, I remember a lot of phone numbers, uh, obviously, but um, 
but it should be, should be concerning that we've lost the ability to remember one or a pin number or a passcode or something we just read or a conversation we just had or something we were gonna say or something like a name. And so how do you begin to build this up again? Um, well, in, um, in ancient Greece, so the, the book is based on the latest neuroscience applied to cognitive performance accelerated learning, but also I wanted to do a deep dive into ancient cultures to find out what did people do before there were printing presses and computers? How did they store information? And the ancient Greeks 2,500 years ago had a, a very specific process for memorizing information. And that's the other reason why I wrote the memory chapter in Greece. Um, and it's based around this memory palace idea where we store information around places, um, meaning that as a hunter gatherer, it, yeah, it wouldn't be very, very beneficial to memorize a lot of numbers and things like that, but you definitely needed to remember where things were. Where's the food? Where's the enemy tribe? Where's the clean water? Where's the fertile soil? That was your survival. And so we learned that a big part of memory is like real estate, location, location, location. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, created a method called memory is as easy as pie, P-I-E, and P stands for place. So we remember things in places. In fact, when you forget someone's name, Nick, what's the first question you ask? Where do I know this person from? Because right. the con X you know, gives you the content. So the P in pi stands for place. The I in pi stands for imagine. We realize that Einstein is, is right. Einstein said imagination is more powerful than knowledge. And so we tend to remember things better than things that we see and can imagine. A lot of people, for example, are much better with faces than they are with names. You go to someone and say, I remember your face, but I forgot your name. You never go to someone and say, I remember your name, but I forgot your face. That was <laughs> but we, and we remember the face because we saw the face, right? And there's a proverb that says, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. What I hear, I forget. I heard the name, forgot the name. What I see, I remember. I saw the face, I remember the face. And what I do, going back to practice and exercise, is what we truly understand. And, um, and so the I stands for imagine the thing you want to remember. And the E in pi stands for entwine. Entwine is, is associate those two things. So what are you associating? The place and the image. And, uh, and I could certainly give people an example of this, but what, what I would say is we could use an example of, I teach a lot of actors how to, how to speed read scripts, how to memorize their lines. They'll come to me with like, 40 pages of scripts that they need you know be able to memorize or you know that the cover quote for the book was from will smith um he says chim quick knows how to get the maximum out of me as a human being which is really flattering because he's very extremely dedicated you know he's a lifelong learner which is why you know so many of these individuals are so successful because they they double down and lean into these success principles of always sharpening the saw but going back to human memory, I train a lot of TED speakers to memorize their, their TED talks um, in a fraction of the time, and it can be facts or figures or anything. And we use this Pi method to be able to do that. We take places that they are familiar with, like their body or places like their office or their school or their home. And literally we'll go around in their kitchen and say, okay, the first place, let's go clockwise. The first place is the microwave. The second place going clockwise is the stovetop. Third place is the refrigerator. The fourth place is the dishwasher. The fifth place is the sink. And by the way, if you've ever found yourself saying or hearing somebody say in the first place this, in the second place that, and the third place that, that's where it actually came from. That languaging came 
from this old technique 2,500 years ago. And it's attributed to Simonides, who is a Greek poet. He's an orator. And uh, the story goes, he was giving uh, a reading and uh, the speech. And when he was done, he left and something really tragic happened. The building collapsed and, um, and everyone died except for him. And he was a lone survivor. And because of that, he had the responsibility of helping family members identify their loved ones. And he was able to because he remembered where they were all sitting. And I think that a lot of people could do that. They could, they could remember where things were, people were. And he said, okay, well, in order to remember things, I'm going to take places I'm familiar with, P and Pi, and imagine them because I remember things I could see in my mind and put those, entwine those things in those places. Mm-hmm. And then next time I need to remember something, I just walk around that place in my memory palace. And, uh, and there it is, and there it is, and there it is. So for me, for example, um, I mean, I'm good with numbers just because I've done it for so long, but I could take numbers and turn them into these images and just place them around um, the place that I'm actually speaking in. And then I just look around and say, oh, those are all the numbers. And I translate these numbers into images. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's something, I'm oversimplifying it, but, um, but it, 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 it's great also, great exercise for the mind. You know, people are always asking, you know, how do you train your mind? be mentally fit and part of it is doing these you know cre- these things that require you to be creative to use your imagination to use strategy the things that aren't going to be outsourced to a machine where a lot of jobs are being automated they're going to do artificial intelligence you know so I, I think having creatively fit you know our ability to solve problems or ability to imagine you know new things or ability to, to use strategy to uh, to be more efficient and effective and so I'm happy to apply that technique to, to something. And we could be to apply it towards um, 10 things on how to have a limitless brain. These lives, we, we realize, I do a lot. The book is endorsed heavily in the medical community. Everyone from uh, Dr. Rudy Tanzi over there, Alzheimer's research at, at Harvard, mm-hmm. um, to um, Dr. Jeffrey Cummings, who's the founding director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health. And um, Dr. Mark Hyman, uh, who's head of functional medicine, um, uh, innovation strategy at the Cleveland Clinic wrote the forward of the book. And, uh, you know, I, I, research is suggesting about one third of our memory, for instance, is predetermined more about more biological genetically. Um, and, but two thirds is definitely in our control. And there's certain things we can do in our life and our lifestyle to be able to optimize that. And so I'm happy to teach, actually use the, I know it's like a little masterclass. Uh, we could use the pie method to actually, uh, remember the 10 things to have a limitless brain if you wanted to yeah let's do that okay because it's kind of like more people upgrade their phones and their apps than they do the most important technology right born with Mm -hmm. and so i wrote this book to be an owner's manual for your mind and uh which is obviously you know controls everything and so um so i mentioned there about approximately um two-thirds of it is, is predetermined so in the book, in the methods, I do the process. I teach you how to remember names, how to learn languages, how to be able to read faster. And we have chapters on these five mental superpowers, focus, study, you know, speed reading, and so on. Um, well, you also have, that's the software. You also have to take care of the hardware, right? right? And so how can you have your best brain? Because if you, if you change your brain, you, know, you, could, you could change your life, no doubt. So um, right now I'll go through 10 things I would recommend to any client to start with and everyone could write them down and I'll teach you how to memorize them. All right. Awesome. 
And, we, and that, that would be the technique to memorize. Uh, a lot of people want to memorize a lot of information. Well, you know, if I went through this, people would be hard pressed to be able to memorize it, certainly in order. But I'll show you how to memorize it in order and out of order. And, um, and so, but in the beginning, let's write it down because I actually want you to use this as an assessment, meaning that uh, rate yourself on a scale of zero to 10 how much energy and effort or attention are you putting into this category? Because the 10 things I'm going to mention, I, I don't think people are going to debate them. They know it's common sense. But as a brain coach, I want to remind people that common sense is not common practice. So rate yourself on a scale of zero to 10 because everyone wants the magic pill. But there is no magic pill like the movie, but there is a magic process. And mm -hmm. so this is the process. Um, so I'll say the 10 things rather quickly, and then on each one, rate yourself zero to 10, because you can learn the best techniques, but if you miss one of these things, you're not going to get the greatest results. So um, really fast. The first, um, in no specific order, uh, let's talk about, number one, a good brain diet. Good brain diet. And there are certain foods um, I write about in the book in an area called neuronutrition, where our brains are approximately, what, 2% of our body mass? But it requires 20% of the nutrients. Um, and neuronutrition is, is suggesting that our brains have, they, they don't have the same requirements as the rest of our, obviously our brain is part of our body, but it has different requirements than the rest of our body. And so I always prefer people get their nutrients from food. Um, and so what are some of the best foods? Um, actually, I'll, I'll teach everyone how to memorize them. Why don't we do that real quick too? Right. <laughs> All right, so let's do the pie method. The P stands for place. So instead of um, your kitchen, let's use our body really fast. And uh, so this is, I'm um, um, really want to emphasize and encourage people who are listening to do this exercise because part of learning faster is being active. And sometimes school taught us to be more passive. It was like just listening. But, but that puts the onus on the teacher or the lecturer and not on the student. Mm -hmm. And you want to pay, take responsibility. And, and learning like life is not a spectator sport. And the human brain doesn't learn best through consumption. It learns best through creative, you know, and co-creation, right? And so let's take 10 places on our body going top to bottom. So everyone, let's, we're going to go in order. So everybody say and do this. All right, it's a little bit silly. Remember, children are the fastest learners and they don't take things too seriously, they play. So 10 places. The first place is the top of our head. So one is top, so you can say it out loud. One is what? Top. Top. Going down, two is, I'm just touching this also, because we want to make this, you have the, the auditory, we're saying it, and you want to touch it, so you have that, that physical component, kinesthetic, and you want to just see what you're doing also, so you can visualize it. So one is top, Two is nose. What's two? Nose. Nose. And I want everybody who's listening to say it also with us. Three is mouth. What's three? Mouth. And you have your auditory memory. Four, we're going to go to the side of the head, which are your ears. Four are? Ears. Good. Five is your throat. Five throat. throat. And going down, six are your shoulders. Six are what? Shoulders. And seven is collar. What's seven? Collar. Good. Eight, wiggle your fingers. Eight is your fingers. Nine fingers. is your belly. What's nine? Belly. And 10 is your bottom. <laughs> your bottom. Literally top to bottom. <laughs> yeah. Now, most people could remember that. It's a good also exercise. This is mental training. And so we're, we're, we're practicing again our imagination, our creativity. We're using strategy. But now that you have these 10 places, and you could just review them top, 
nose, mouth, four ears, five throat, six shoulders, seven collar, eight fingers, nine belly, 10 seat. And I would actually encourage everyone who's listening not to write these down because sometimes when we have a pin number or a passcode and, we, and it's on a post-it somewhere, we always have to look at it. But you know, th th that's a form of digital uh, dementia where we're, we're outsourcing our brains to our smart devices. So we're not, our brains aren't getting the exercise. It's like if you took Lyft or Uber to go five blocks when you could have walked it, you know, you're not benefiting physically. If you take the elevator to go to three flights when you could have walked it, and the same thing with your arm. If you put your arm in a sling for 12 months, it wouldn't grow stronger. It wouldn't, it wouldn't even stay the same. It would atrophy, right? And so digital dementia is where a high reliance on technology to do the remembering. So we're not, we're not building those muscles. So we do the S exercise. Now we did the P and pi. Now the I is imagine the thing you want to remember. And then the E is entwine, put them together. So the first brain food are, are avocados. So that you imagine avocados and you entwine it in the first place, which is the top of your head, right? Mm -hmm. And you wanna be playful with this because here's the key to long-term memory. Information is forgettable, but information combined with emotion becomes unforgettable. Mm -hmm. Information combined with emotion. I bet everybody listening that you could hear a song it take you back when, to when you're a teenager right? Because that emotion or a fragrance or a mm -hmm. food can take you back to when you're a child because the information combined with emotion, the challenge is all learning is state dependent. And the state that you learn something in is how you're going to encode it, right? So when, you, when you're storing it and retrieving it through the memory process, you have to add emotion to it because it makes it more distinctive. So how are we going to do it? Imagine avocados on the top of your head or you're, mm -hmm. you have guacamole in your hair, right? Right. That, makes you laugh or smile that's the emotion so you could see it feel it and hear it and you're like that's kind of silly bear with me even if you can't imagine it imagine you can imagine it all right okay second place is what nose was and uh second brain food i'll say is blueberries hmm. uh i call them brain berries so imagine blueberries coming out of your nose and no how most people study you know in physics there are these three variables frequency duration intensity right so you could study re repetition or you could work out, you know, more, right? That'd be frequency. Duration is spend more time studying or more time on the treadmill, or you could do it so intensely. You don't, because the problem with frequency and duration is it takes time. But if you can do it intensely using emotion, using visualization, using humor and so on, then you could shortcut that process. And you'll find that the things that you remember are usually things like that. They're outstanding. But the state most people learn something in is boredom and boredom on a scale of zero to 10 is zero. And if it's information times emotion and emotion is zero, anything times zero is zero, which is why a lot of people forget, you know, the periodic table or all the things they learned back in school because the state, all learning is state dependent. So that's why we're making it fun. So out of our, on top of our head, we have the avocado. Was out of our nose. We have the blueberries, right? So see it, smell it, taste it. I call them brain berries. <laughs> Third place is your what? Your mouth. mouth, and I want you to imagine broccoli. It's good for mm -hmm. the brain, and I'll go. I go into detail why in the book. I have recipes, brain-friendly recipes. Broccoli, not just a little piece of broccoli, exaggerated, so it just stands out like a big stalk of broccoli in your teeth, and, mm -hmm. and taste it. Fourth is what? Ears. Ears, and I want you to imagine olive oil. Maybe you're cleaning your ears with olive oil, or maybe you're wearing olive earrings or something like that. But olives. On, on the ears or olive oil in the ears. And it would never happen, but that's why it's memorable. 
All right. Number five is your what? Throat. Your throat. Um, if your diet allows, eggs has been shown, the choline in eggs is good for the brain. So instead of an Adam's apple, imagine a hard boiled egg. Mm. I could just like, why would that's so illogical? And that's why it's memorable. So imagine an egg in your, in your throat. We're halfway there, that's number five. Number six are your? Shoulders. shoulders. Green leafy vegetables, very good for the brain. Your, you know, your parents were right. So imagine the shoulder pads made out of kale and spinach. Shoulder pads, mm -hmm. kale and spinach. And just look to your left and right, imagine it there. Seven is your? A collar. Yeah, your collar. So um, wild salmon. So we know that those fatty fishes, um, sardines, also good. Imagine a necklace made out of salmon sushi. <laughs> um, no, I just made that up. But whatever, just has a necklace made out of salmon. Smell mm -hmm. it. If your diet allows you to eat it, it's the, the omega-3s, the, the uh, DHA. It's good, for, it's good for the brain. So that's number seven. Eight are fingers. Okay, so your fingers. Let's uh, let's go with turmeric. It's good for the brain. It helps mm -hmm. to lower inflammation. Uh, I make like a sometimes in the morning a, a golden uh, milk, like almond milk with some turmeric and a little bit of pepper to help you absorb it better. Maybe a little honey if that's good for you. Um, but turmeric. So imagine that golden powder all over your fingers. You can't get it off. Number nine is your belly. And out of your belly button, I want you to imagine coming out are walnuts. Mm. Walnuts are good for the brain. Vitamin E. Actually, they looks like they look like the human brain. So they do, yeah. Yeah, so that's a good mnemonic. I don't think there's science behind that, but certain foods look like the the you know the 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 organ or the part of the body. Like tomatoes, you cut it as four chambers, and you, mm. you have your the, your heart. Or you cut a, a, a carrot and it looks like a human eyeball. And people say mm -hmm. carrots are good for your eyes, but I'm not saying that. Those are more good memory tricks to be able to remember those things. But walnuts coming out of your out of your belly button, and finally the last place on your body is your is the bottom, dark chocolate. And I don't, I don't care to know what anyone is thinking right now, but dark chocolate, <laughs> not milk chocolate, not high in in sugar, but dark chocolate is has been good. It's been shown to uh, be good for be brain friendly. So now you are at the market and uh, you, you forgot your list. Have you ever gone to the store to buy one thing and you come back with like two bags full of things, except for that one thing you went to the store for? Exactly. Now you don't even need your list because you would have forgot that anyway. So you're walking down the aisle and you have your list on the inside. The first thing you needed on top of your head are what? Avocados. Those out of your second place, your nose, you have? Blueberries. Out of your mouth, you have stuck in your teeth. Broccoli. Your ears, you're cleaning with? Olive oil. Your throat, you're choking on a? Egg. <laughs> uh, uh, from there, your, your shoulders, you have uh, pads made out of? Green, green leafy vegetables. Um, on your collar, you have a necklace made out of? Salmon. Salmon. On your fingertips, you have? Turmeric. Turmeric. Out of your belly button, you have? Walnuts. Nuts. And your bottom, you have dark chocolate. So this is an example of using the memory palace and we used our body, but you could use this to remember any kind of facts in order and you could do it backwards. You could start with your bottom and go dark chocolate to your mm -hmm. belly and you have walnuts, right? You know, and then to your fingers, you have turmeric. So you could go forwards and backwards. And it's great to be able to remember things in a specific order, facts, um, a speech, a lesson plan, 
because you just remember, you need to know where things are. So that's the first thing is good brain diet. So I'm going to fast forward and people could use this technique to be able to memorize the next 10 things because you could put these 10 things in your 10 places in your house. So the first one is good brain diet. So rate yourself zero to 10. How much energy are you putting into your, your, your diet? How good are you? Maybe a five or seven. Because you could get the, again, the best speed reading tip and you get that in the book and everything. And, you know, if you're eating highly processed foods and you're in a food coma, you're not going to get your best, you know, reading and study. All right, really fast. The 10 are number one, good brain diet. Number two, killing ants is clinically proven to be good for your brain. And ants, I got as an acronym, automatic negative thoughts. I got that mm. from Dr. Daniel Amen, who also endorsed the book. He wrote a book, great. He's written a number of books on the brain. He's done more brain scans than anyone else in the United States, over 170,000 uh, spec and other scans. Um, and so he said, kill those ants, automatic negative thoughts. And so keep it positive because if you believe you can or believe you can't, either way, you're right. People come to me all the time and say, Jim, I have a horrible memory. I'm saying, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. So make sure you keep it. Or if you say, I have a horrible memory, you know, or I don't have a great memory, add a little word like yet at the end. So at least it leaves the possibility. So on a scale of zero to 10, how well are you taking care of your automatic negative thoughts? Number three, exercise, zero to 10. As we said, as the body moves, your brain grooves. We know that uh, they say sitting is a new smoking. Um, you know, I'm not sure the research behind that, but I would say we could definitely benefit from moving more. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, taking these little brain breaks. In terms of studying, we found an optimal amount of time to study in one session is about 25, 30 minutes. They call it the Pomodoro technique that after mm -hmm. about 25, 30 minutes, there's a dip in concentration and focus. It also creates more breaks so that if you study for five hours straight, which some people do, there's in science, um, they have something called primacy and recency. You remember things in the beginning, prime first, and recency more recent, but there's a big dip in the middle. So if you go to a party, you meet the, remember the first people you met there, and then the last people, right? And, or if I'm giving you a list of 20 words to memorize, you probably remember the first words and the last words. So if, but the problem is if you study for five hours straight and you cram, you remember things in the beginning of that session at the end, and then what happens in the middle? And so the challenge is if you, with the benefit of taking breaks, if you take breaks every 30 minutes for like, not, not long breaks, but even a five minute break, you create more beginnings and ends. So you get to pick up a lot of that and retrieve a lot of that um, because we're, we're fighting the forgetting curve. Within two days, about 48 hours, you can learn, you lose up to 75, 80% of the information you learn once. So going back to working out, exercise, zero to 10, how much are you moving? because that's a great thing to do during your brain break, to take you know, time and just go for a walk. We know that Steve Jobs did walking meetings and made him more creative and more focused and so on. Um, there have been studies done that when you do an elliptical or a, a treadmill, something rhythmic and you listen to you know, one of our podcasts or an audio book, then, um, then you get actually more, you get better retention and uh, understanding of it also as well. And so um, that's very powerful. So on scale zero to 10, how much are you moving? Not just your Pilates that you're doing three times a week, but actual daily movement. Um, I'm gonna go through the rest really fast. Number sure. four, brain nutrients. Meaning that if you're not getting it from your diet, then you may, maybe you need to supplement for it. I always prefer getting it from a diet, but sometimes you know we live crazy you know, lives and uh, can't be able to you know, tap into all those nutrients. And I would always say, go to a health practitioner, you know, for, 
go to an, go to go to somebody who studies this. Go get go to a doctor and get get a nutrient profile done. See where you're lacking because if you're lacking vitamin B or vitamin, you're not going to perform at your best. You know, one of the most highly recommended supplements again is uh, omega threes, you know, your your DHAs. Um, but go, um, but I'll talk to a professional about that. Um, that's number four, brain nutrients. Number five is a positive peer group. We know that it's not just your neurological networks or biological networks, it's your social networks. And who you spend time with is who you become. And if you spend time with brain-friendly individuals that challenge you, encourage you, that, uh, that cheerlead for you, you know, because you have these things called mirror neurons where we're always imitating our surroundings, the people around us. And we start adapting, adopting their language, you know, their way of thinking, their behaviors. Like it's not bi so much biological, you know, with, let's say smoking or something, but it's like if your friend's friend smoke, you're more likely to smoke. So it's, you know, monitor your social network to it affects, you know, your habits. And first you create your habits, then your habits create you. And so be very careful, you know, who you spend time with. That's number five. So on a scale of zero to 10, you know, how, how would you rate, you know, the, the people in, in your life that you're giving the power to have influence over you? And then the second half, really fast. Number six, clean environment is good for the brain. We know that your external world is a reflection of your internal world. And I think people know this intuitively. When they make their bed or they clean their office, their desk, or their, you know, the, the, put everything in files on their, you know, on their desktop, you have clarity of thought also as well. And so Marie Kondo, your mind, keep a clean environment. Uh, that's number six. Number seven, biggest one, sleep. <laughs> and I know this is resonating with a number of people, but I'm going to call you on your stuff. Sleep. We know how we feel when we don't sleep well, right? And people really need to prioritize their sleep or if they're really challenged to have a sleep study done. Um, for your brain specifically, it's, it's where you consolidate short to long-term memory. So if you're having long-term memory issues, check your sleep. Because some people could think they're sleeping, but it's not just the length of sleep, it's, it's the quality of the deep sleep and the REM sleep. And so that, that's, that could actually be measured. You know, there, there are devices and, and, um, and tools to be able to help you with that, um, your wake-ups and so on. I didn't realize I had severe sleep apnea until like 10 years ago, and it affected everything. But that's where you can tell a short to long-term memory. Number two for your brain, it's where you, um, research suggests, is where you're cleaning out the beta amyloid plaque that can lead to brain aging challenges. And um, this is, you know, we, we're donating 100% of the proceeds of the book to children education. We built schools everywhere from um, Guatemala to Kenya, providing healthcare, um, building the schools, teachers, textbooks, clean water. Uh, other proceeds are going to um, Alzheimer's research because I lost in memory of my grandmother who I lost uh, to Alzheimer's. But when you sleep, that's kind of like where your sewage system kicks in. And, um, and so that's important for your brain. And the third reason to be able to sleep is where you dream. I mean, we're, we probably spent about 20 years of our life sleeping, three to five years dreaming. And it's in those dreaming states that our brains don't shut, shut off at night. If anyway, they're actually in some ways more active. And what is it doing? It's, you know, it's integrating what you've learned that day. It's coming up with solutions to the problems that you're faced throughout the day. And um, like people might know this, but Mary Shelley created Frankenstein in her dream. You know, Paul McCartney came up with the song yesterday in his dream. A chemist came up with the framework, of the periodic table in his dream. You know, Elias Howe creating the sewing machine in, in his dream, like all this stuff happening in dream states. That's why in the book, I show people how to remember their dreams and, and everything. But it requires that you manage your sleep. So that's number, that's number seven. And then number eight to take care of your brain is a brain protection, which just, which really means wear a helmet. 
you know, I had three traumatic brain injuries before the age of 12. I wasn't very well supervised. Um, but just, just take care of your brain. It is resilient, but it, it is very, it is fragile in some ways also as well. So that, that impact, take care of it. Number nine, new learnings. And I'm preaching to the choir because anyone who's listening or watching this right now, they're lifelong learners and they study, they do the deep work and practice. And we know that, you know, the common thread between, you know, all these achievers is they're always taking it, they're always getting to the next level. They, they, they're always curious, they always study, and that education doesn't stop when our school stops, right? And it actually can help you also live longer. It was a study done on the cover of Time magazine uh, with these nuns living 80, 90 and above. It's called the study Aging with Grace. Um, and they said half of their longevity came out from their emotional faith and gratitude. The other half, they're lifelong learners. And because of it, added years to their life and life to their years. But, um, but you have your to-do list, but what's on your to-learn list? What have you always wanted to learn? Uh, and everything is it's online in podcasts, YouTube, Spanish, salsa, speed reading. You know, it's all there. So always be learning. And I think the number one skill to master in the 21st century is our ability to learn because that is the ultimate skill. Because if you can learn how to learn, focus, remember, read faster, do the things we talk about, you could apply that towards money, management, marketing, medicine, martial arts, music, you know, everything gets easier when you can learn how to learn. So that's, that's the ultimate skill. And then finally, uh, the last thing I would mention is stress management. We know that chronic stress uh, shrinks your brain. And you know, you're always in, you know, creating cortisol and adrenaline, you're in fight or flight. You know, it's, it's not a great place to be when you need to study or you need to perform at work or you need to take an exam. And so on a scale of zero to 10, what are you doing to be able to mitigate that stress? How are you coping with stress um, and how well are you doing it? So the reason why I had everyone list this out is because you could do all of this stuff, but if you're not sleeping, you know, that, that's your leverage point. You can be doing all this stuff, but if you're stressed out of your mind, it could counteract, you know, a lot of the benefits the other things are giving you. Or maybe you're with somebody who just, you know, an energy vampire, and they're just like, they're just bring you down all the time and stealing your batteries. And so what I would challenge everyone to do, actually, um, for the sake of just practice, is to go in your home now. And as we went in the kitchen and we took five places going clockwise, go from there to your bedroom or your living room and create, you know, you did one through five, do six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and put these 10 things in those 10 places. So go to their first place. Let's say the first place you go to is your welcome mat. Put your good brain diet all over the welcome mat. The second place, let's say, happens to be a radiator. And on the radiator, see yourself killing ants on the radiator. Right. Maybe the third place is, is like a you know, coffee table and on the coffee table, you're doing push-ups to remind you of exercise. And you're like, wow, Jim, that's so simple. It is that simple. Once you understand how your memory works, you could work your memory. And then that's how you're using these principles, place and places. Imagine, imagine the 10 keys for a better brain, good, you know, good brain diet, killing ants, everything as an image, and then entwine those things together. And you have the magic formula for remembering facts, for remembering speeches, for remembering key, key, key information that you need to in a much faster way and retain it also. Because I bet you right now, everyone listening, they can remember what their first brain food is, right? Avocados. And out of their nose, they have blueberries. Because understand when you know how your brain works, you can work your brain. And that was right. the purpose of the book. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jim Quick. You, uh, you've gone through so much between the uh, the the motivation um, 
between our mindset that we need to have and the methods that we can use, uh, making it easy as pie uh, and, and, you know, imagining uh, these, these places and entwining things together and then brain foods and, uh, and really kind of how to put this into practice. Uh, you've been so generous with your time. Thank you so much. Um, I would love for our listeners and audience to go out and get the book and, and, you know, get all the other information that's in there. So where could I send everyone to? Yeah, I would, I would welcome people if they want to go deeper in this and really, really master their mind. Go to limitlessbook.com limitlessbook.com. We have all the links to all the places you can get it. And also we have some bonus gifts for people absolutely free to help them on their journey, including a book club that we do. There are four sections of the book. So we, we, we give you uh, four like book club lessons on how to read it and remember it and apply it. And we also have two bonus chapters, uh, one on limitless for kids, for educators and parents and limitless for teens for people, for your organizations and coworkers applying the limitless model. So limitlessbook.com. Uh, podcast is at quickbrain.com, K-W-I-K brain.com. I have a 15 minute show and how to remember names, how to learn a language, how to study better, um, how to change your habits. Um, morning routine, listen to that one. I have 10 things I do every morning to jumpstart my brain. Um, and uh, the last thing is on social media. I would actually invite everybody, I would challenge everyone to take a small, simple step like we talked about and take a screenshot of this episode or a photograph of your notes and, uh, and tag Nick, tag myself, post it on social media and share your big aha. Like one thing you're gonna do, a small, simple step. Maybe it's in a brain food. Maybe it's just being conscious of your automatic negative thoughts. Maybe it's, okay, I'm gonna commit to moving a little bit more each day. Or maybe I'm gonna take that, that brain supplement. Or maybe I'm gonna just check in with my peer group. Or maybe it's I'm gonna clean my office space that's good for my brain or, or, or prioritize my sleep. Um, you know, or something we, we talked about in here. We, I, I know people took a lot of notes, but share one thing because the final words for you is this. If you want to learn something faster, learn with the intention of teaching somebody else. If you re-listen to this podcast episode, this conversation with the intention of sharing it with a coworker or one of your friends, you're going to learn it better. You'll have paid it better attention. You'll take better notes because when you teach something, you have to learn it twice. So one of the ways you could teach it is to screenshot it and tag us both and share one thing that you learned with your friends, your family, your followers. And uh, if you tag me, so I'll see it, I'll actually repost um, you know, some of my favorites. And I'll actually gift a copy of the book to one person as a, as a thank you for listening to this show. So, awesome, uh, very generous. Thank you very much, Jim. Uh, well, everyone, here's Jim Quick uh, and his new book is Limitless. So uh, go out and check it out. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and I hope to keep in touch and continue to learn more about all these amazing things that you're doing in the world in addition to this awesome book that you're sharing with us. Amazing. Nick, thank you for the platform and the good work that you do and sharing this knowledge. I think now more than ever, do we need people to encourage us, to educate us, to kind of cheer us on? you know, and uh, we can become limitless. People ask all the time, how do you become limitless in a limited world? We do it together. And so thank you for, for, for making this happen. Hey listeners, some of you have so kindly asked how you can support the podcast. You can help by supporting us on Patreon, so please kindly find our Patreon link in the show notes. You can also support us by leaving a review, so please let me know what you think about the show by leaving a review on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook as Dr. Nissen. 
And it's important to note that this podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. And the use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is content of this podcast and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.